Hey, so glad you could find my podcast. We're going to talk about what happens after you take a DNA test, and maybe the results weren't quite what you thought. Join me here every week, and we're going to shake them family trees. Guaranteed. Hi, welcome back to Shaking the Family Tree with Rachel B. I am going to talk today about how I didn't feel like I fit in with my family of origin. And I'm sure a lot of NPEs can relate to this topic because I've seen so on the message messaging boards. Well, we're not on a message board, but you know, I'm on Facebook. I don't know why I'm being so weird because this is really weird to sit in your closet and talk to yourself about yourself. Um, so this will probably be the most awkward episode. And once we get past it, we can move on to funner things, which means other people. <laughs> anyway, just to give you some background on who's running this shit show. Um, <laughs> I grew up in Minnesota. I was born to my mother who was 18 at the time. And she and my father were dating my birth certificate father for the NPEs out there. And that just means that he is who I believe to be my father my whole life up until a few years ago. So a couple years, it hasn't even been a couple. It hasn't even been two years, y'all, for real. Anyway, here we go. We're talking about my very deep personal <laughs> details. What the hell is happening? Okay. Um. So I grew up and I didn't really see myself um, visually and others especially it became more apparent as I became, you know, a young woman and a teenager. And I was taller than my mom by the time I was 13. And I grew, you know, my tatas overnight. And I was hippier than them. Not like as in peace, love hippie, but like I had hips and then, um, freckles all over my face. And, I had a pointy nose and they didn't. And I don't know. It was just like all these things that, you know, you, the things that didn't fit in with them became a flaw in my mind. And so I tried to minimize them. So like with the freckles, I just put on a ton of white makeup and then because my skin is porcelain naturally, not, I'm not being weird saying white makeup like a clown. I'm saying because my skin is literally the color of a piece of paper when there's no sun. Anyway, <laughs> so I would put on a lot of makeup to like get that smooth, like Noxima girl model face. You remember the girl model in like the teeny bot magazines? Anyway, I'm getting off track. So I would try to do things that would deflect from my perceived flaws because I didn't see them reflected back at me and anyone else. So I thought I was a weirdo. I was an alien. Maybe the kids at school were right. I am an alien. Um, yeah. So I just didn't, I just always felt like anything that was different about me or that I didn't see others doing or portraying in their lives um, I just kind of took it as like a negative mark against me, which is kind of sad, but it's true. And so, um, growing up, I just felt like a weirdo and I moved a lot and there was a lot of dysfunction going on. 
I'm not going to get into details about that, but I'll just say that I moved a lot. And then I went to live with my grandma um, in eighth grade until she passed when I was a junior, when she was in a car train accident. Then from there, I lived with friends to finish my senior year. And then I ended up moving to Kansas City. Now, at this time, when I graduated high school, I invite, I found my birth certificate father, and which is funny because he's not on my birth certificate. Nobody is <laughs> as father. But anyway, we shall call him that because that is the term. So I found my birth certificate father, sent him an invite to come on up, come to my graduation party. So he did. And I just remember being so angry, like, where have you been this whole time? And, um, and so it was like a little weird at first. And then, um, I ended up moving down to Kansas city because this is something that I used to hide. If anyone would ever ask me, how did you end up in Kansas city? I would always try to think of like a politically correct answer or like a socially acceptable answer. The answer is I was a ward of the state and I had to live with a relative until I turned 18, which then ages you out of the system. And then you are free to be an adult and do whatever you want. Um, so unless somebody else was going to step in and, and be my guardian, I had to live with a relative until I turned 18. So that is why that is how I came here in the first place because I was 17 when I graduated high school. Okay. That's covered. <laughs> so at that time I was getting to know my birth certificate father. We were emailing, talking on the phone, I think. Um, and that is also when I discovered ancestry.com. And that is where, uh, you can build a family tree based on if your family has like an old Bible or something and they write down all the dates of the birth, baptism, marriage, death, um, you could plug those all in there. And it was, I don't know when they came on the scene, but I know the internet came on the scene while I was in high school. So it couldn't have been much sooner than I had found it in the late nineties. And so anyways, I was building my family tree and I was emailing with my birth certificate father to get, um, all the names from his side. So I could make this tree. And, um, I don't know where I was going with that whole story. Basically I was just establishing the timeline of when I came to know him as a person and when our relationship first started, which was, you know, he was in and out when I was younger for birthdays and such, but pretty much after my mom got remarried or got married the first time, she never married my BCF. Um, it was like, he just kind of felt like didn't know what to do or where his position was. And so he just kind of was like, like Homer Simpson into the bush, just kind of like faded out of the way. Um, so that was that, uh, we got to know each other from that point on. 
And he, for all intents and purposes, has played the role of my father since then and grandfather to my children and will continue to play that role forever and ever. Amen. Um, so meeting him, he was only like an inch or two taller than me. And he was also like a petite guy. And, uh, we didn't have twin faces. We didn't have the same like mannerisms or anything like that, that you would kind of, like, I always kind of wondered, like, what did I get from my dad's side? I don't know them. Like, what do they even look like? And so, you know, he would send me photos and we would just kind of talk about that side of the family. And, um, yeah. And so that's just how it went along. And then, but like, I remember for my wedding, he came and brought me some of his mother's treasures, um, like some jewelry to wear for my something old on my wedding day. And I remember going through the box and I was trying to like put on this bracelet and it was the size for like a child. Like she was even tiny. And I just remember feeling defeated. Like what is the deal here? Like she's tiny. My mom's tiny. He's tiny. Where did this giant child come from? (laughs) Like, I weighed eight pounds and, like, almost 12 ounces when I was born. And five seven. So where did I come from? And why do I have freckles everywhere? And he didn't. And he wasn't a redhead. So at this point, you know, there's already been doubts in my mind. Um, I mean, I just didn't know anything as a child, you know? And so then into my adulthood, I was just kind of like, well... I don't know, like, you know, genetics are weird. (laughs) You just kind of chalk it up to that to like, when your mind has a question, you just kind of try to fill it in with an answer. So it'll shut up. That's how my mind works anyway. So that was the answer. It was just genetics. And we didn't know that then, did we? (laughs) How true that was. But um, moving along. So I did find out when I was around 16 is when I started learning some of the family history, which I'm not going to share right now. Um, But I did hear that I looked like a cousin of mine, which is actually a second cousin of mine. And she had also heard the same, that we were like doppelgangers for each other. Um, And so that was kind of exciting to me because, like I'd said, I never really felt like I fit anywhere. I never saw myself reflected back. And so when I heard that there was somebody that actually looked like me and it was like proven that we are like genetically related, um, I was super excited. But then once I heard she lived in California, I was kind of defeated because... I grew up poor, so it wasn't like I knew, I, ne- I never thought I'd ever, I have still never been to California. Let's just say that. Okay. So if it hadn't been for her traveling, then I probably still wouldn't have met her. But, um, so we started talking and I remember when the internet first came on the scene, like I was just talking about in the late nineties, she had a website on there and I was trying to find photos because I wanted to see like, I wanted to see myself reflected back. How many times am I going to say that? <laughs> That's going to be like a catchphrase. 
<laughs> no, it's not. Don't make it one. So I met her on the internet, and then we decided we wanted to start to talk on the phone. Oh, we wanted to see if our voices were similar, and I don't think they are. You'll be able to know next time you hear my podcast. Her mom had is getting advanced in age, and so she had wanted to move back to her homeland, which is Minnesota. She was coming home to take her mom home, and she stopped in through the city, and I was like, oh, I wish I could come. Like, it sounds like, in my mind, you know, I'm, I've romanticized it into, like, this great end-of-life story of a mother and daughter reuniting after a tumultuous relationship, and they drive cross-country while the mother's, like, you know, going through her aging process and then the daughter's like wrestling with her heart and her mind. And I was like, I just want to be in the back seat of this whole thing and just watching, like watch it unfold and see what kind of like mysteries are uncovered. And so I'd kind of like made this whole like drama drama up in my mind, but because that's what I do. I have a very overactive imagination. So I was like, oh, I sure wish I could come with you and just sit in the back seat and like take it all in. And she's like, can you? And I was like, what? And so I was so excited. So I got to go with on this epic journey, on this voyage home. Ooh, I like that word, voyage home. So we took the voyage home while it happened to be the same week as the George Floyd death, murder, killing. Anyway, whatever word you want to call it. Now, at this time, this just happened. Like, she's driving, cruising along, you know, halfway across the country, and then all of a sudden, shit goes down, and then it's like, what do you do? You can't turn around. I mean, I guess you could, but you just got to keep going and make do with what you got. So, and we're in the middle of a pandemic also at this point. So, we're wearing masks. And well, half the country is the other half is like trying to wait and see, you know, you know what happened. And we were all there. So this is what's going on. I'm just setting the scene. So we're driving in to town and we actually had to stay and get gas outside of the city because a lot of the city was just in turmoil and everything was shut down pretty much. I mean, a lot of shit was shut down. And the city at this point was also on a curfew. So um, what we did was we just stayed one night overnight in Iowa and then um, headed to the city and met up with some family that wanted to see her mom before we took her over to her sister's house in Wisconsin. And so at this point, it's like, getting to be afternoon and I was thinking about just hanging out with my family and having them give me a ride back. Well, good thing we didn't because as soon as we were crossing the bridge to leave Minnesota into Wisconsin, um, they dropped the curfew from 8 p.m. to 5 p.m., which meant you needed to be inside, again, like inside your house or you could get gassed or sprayed or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if they're handing out tickets. I don't, I didn't live there. I was just driving through. And so, um, but I knew 
Like your ass needs to like get somewhere <laughs> at curfew. Okay. Like no meandering around on the streets and shit. So, um, we were crossing the bridge into Wisconsin and the side that was going into Minnesota, there was like the last of the cars that, you know, were like coming home from work or whatever. And then, and then right behind those cars was just full of people with like flags and signs just marching. And then right behind those people was like armored trucks, national guard. And it was just insane. Cause I was like, holy shit. Like, how are they taking over the whole road? Once I got to the hotel and turned on the news and they said curfew is down to five o'clock from eight, like just announced. And so that's what I did that. And then she took auntie to go to go uh where she was going to move and then i just watched the news and and all the chaos that was unfolding around us and so luckily we got out of town in time and luckily i didn't stay because um because whoever i would have had drive me back would have been stuck they would have been stuck at the hotel with us so that's just like the background of how her and i started to know each other um (laughs) And I think if you can form a bond after that, then, I mean, you're golden, right? And so as we were traveling, um, we were talking about life and memories. And um, yeah, so as I was sitting in that hotel room, watching like the semi drive through a crowd of people, I couldn't believe that just 24 hours ago we are sitting in iowa eating at a mexican restaurant asking my aunt about a rumor that we had heard and asking if my cousin had any half siblings out in the world that she might uncover one day and um the rumor was concerning my aunt bob dylan and this adopted baby (laughs) 